the risen Lord Jesus. Uh, welcome to you if you're a visitor amongst us. You're very, very welcome indeed. Um, I'm just giving you a couple of notices at the start, right at the start, but uh, Debbie is leading the service. John Farrow is leading music, and there's a wonderful team there of music leaders, singers, musicians, so uh, it's lovely to have uh, a band of singers here this morning. Uh, Rachel Potts is uh, running a, a craft table for the children a bit later on in the service. And there may even be an Easter egg hunt um, as well, so children look out for that later on. Uh, please note, next Sunday there is a 9 o'clock service with music, and also our monthly all-age services next Sunday at 10.45. All are very welcome at those services. Our annual meeting is coming up on the 30th, Sunday the 30th of April. It's a very important meeting. Do come to it if you can. Uh, it'll be after the second service on that Sunday. Um, if you're not on the electoral roll, please um, do, um, if you're not on the electoral roll, please do fill in a form that looks like that, pale blue form. They're available in the foyer. Um, if you live in the village, you can go on the electoral roll immediately. If you live outside the village, you need to have been attending six months here at this church. So um, that, the, the, the advantage of this is it means you can vote at the meeting. Okay? If you're not on the electoral roll, um, you're not allowed to vote at the APCM. So please do get yourself on that. Um, email Sarah if you're not sure about that in the office. She'll let you know. Now, special appeal to make. 
Um, there's a, a slide that goes with this. And so uh, we're asking for your help. Can you help? Uh, Rachel Potts and I would like to buy a copy of that booklet there for uh, every child who's at Oak Meadow. Um, so Hope have produced a special book for the coronation, uh, which is coming up, of, of King Charles. And uh, it's a, a, a lovely, colourful uh, book that uh, we think that the children will really love. Um, and they can keep as a souvenir, as a memento, uh, for the rest of their lives. It's got St. Matthew's Gospel in it, which particularly focuses on Jesus as King. Uh, so we want to give uh, this booklet to every single child at Oak Meadows School, so we need your help, financial help. Um, can you give five pounds per family or couple or individual to do this? That's what, two coffees, isn't it? Even, maybe not even two coffees, one and a half coffees if you go to a coffee shop. Um, if, you can, if you can help us out, we want to buy this for every single child and give it to them at a special assembly in early May. Uh, if you would like to give, um, I should have got a bowl out, I forgot, I had lots of things to think about. Um, if somebody could get a bowl out, or win, or someone, and have it ready to, for you to put your money in as you go out, please put your money in, and we'll put that towards this fund. Uh, if you want to give to your bank, um, Keith will say that's great, because that's easy. Um, but mark it, please, as coronation gift if you give through the bank to the church bank account. Um, but thank you so much in advance. Um, we want to bless... Paul, you are. Thank you all. Thank you, Keith. There's a basket at the back if you want to give uh, to this particular appeal. Thank you so much in advance uh, for that. Uh, over to Debbie. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, and a very happy Easter to you all. Um, would you like to stand? I think we should stand up for this, shouldn't we? And can you please join in with these opening responses enthusiastically? The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. That was very good. Excellent. Okay, and on this Easter morning, we're going to now join in with the words of our opening prayer together. Risen Lord Jesus, present with us now, open our hearts to receive you, open our minds to understand you, ignite our will to follow you, bring your resurrection life to all that is dead in us, your living hope to all that despairs, your risen joy to all that is sorrowful. Bring your love to change and transform us. In the mighty name of the risen Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And now, if you'd like to sit down for a moment, we're going to watch a powerful clip from the film The Passion, The Resurrection of Jesus. And then John and the band are going to lead us um, straight in to some sung worship. So we'll watch this and then we'll stand to sing our first few songs.
men, please do have a seat. So on this Easter day, when we celebrate Jesus' victory over sin and death and remember the price that was paid for our forgiveness, we're going to take a few moments now to confess to God those ways in which we've let him down. So let's have a moment of quiet before we pray this prayer of confession together. And can you please join in? with the words in bold. When we are rushing about, frenetic, over-busy, jumping to conclusions and confusions, Risen Lord, forgive us, for we have seen the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. When we are consumed with sorrow, overcome with tears, hurting, lost, unable to see the way forward, Risen Lord, be our hope, for we have seen the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. When we turn away from you, trusting only in our own strength, ignoring your voice and going our own way, risen Lord, forgive us, for we have seen the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. When we ignore the stranger and neglect the poor, when self-centeredness and greed consumes us. Risen Lord, forgive us, for we have seen the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. Resurrected, faithful and forgiving Lord, raise us up to new life and new ways of serving you. Risen Lord, be our hope. For we have seen the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. Amen. So, um, as Peter said earlier, I think Rachel's got some Easter crafts for children to do in the foyer. So, um, let's pray for them um, as they go out and do that. And um, then we're going to sing our next song together. So, let's pray for them. Father God, we thank you for Rachel, we thank you for all the children and young people that are here today, and we pray now that as they go out and as they do these Easter crafts and they celebrate the resurrected Jesus, we pray that you will be with them, that you'll bless them, and that you will give them a fun time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's stand to sing our next song, Jesus Christ, I Think Upon Your Sacrifice, and then Joan is going to bring us our Bible reading.
reading is taken from Matthew 28 verses 1 to 10 and if you want to follow it in your Bible it's on page 1000. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jane. Let's pray for Peter as he speaks to us. Father God, I thank you for Peter. Um, I thank you for the time that he spent with you this week. I thank you for all that he's going to say to us today. And Lord, I pray that you will be with him, that you'll, you'll bless him, you'll keep him very wide awake after such an early start. And I pray for each of us that you will help our hearts, our minds, our wills to be open to you and what it is that you want to say to us this Easter day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If I fall asleep in my own sermon, then you know it's a bad one, don't you? <laughs> The Lord is risen. He is indeed. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you had a, had a look at the, uh, the morning paper this morning? Is that, is that John? Oh, is that Keith? Keith? Just only Keith has looked at the morning paper this morning? Well, I haven't either, so that's fine. I've not had a chance to look at it. But this is, uh, well, this is yesterday's, this is the Times yesterday. Um, but I think for, for Christians, it's a good thing to read the paper. It's a good thing to, to hear the news. It's a good thing to know what's going on in the news. Because obviously we need to know what's going on in the world. We need to also to be praying about what's going on in the world. And, uh, but here's the thing about news. When you get your, uh, your newspaper or you're listening to the radio or watching the TV or you're uh, listening or whatever it is on the internet, uh, news comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? You know, there's, a, uh, there's an angle on a story. There's an angle. A journalist or a, a, a newsreader or a, uh, somebody who's reporting the news, they have an angle on a, on a, on a particular thing that's going on. And, and news... Wherever you find it is compartmentalized. So you've got you've got that story there. You've got that story there. You've got all the different st- uh, sections through the paper. You've got the business. You've got the sport. You've got the entertainment. You've got the lifestyle. You've got the national news. You've got the international news. You've got the politics. You've got the all that. So it's compartmentalized. It's broken up into segments. You might have uh, you know interest human interest stories. Well, you know, why is so-and-so doing that, or we may even have a crime story. Why did that person commit that crime and someone's investigating that? Peter, what's this got to do with Easter Day, you might be thinking? Well, let me tell you something. They didn't have, if they didn't, they didn't have newspapers back in first century Jerusalem. But that doesn't mean they didn't have news. They had news, that's for sure. And if they had had newspapers, the headline on Easter Saturday morning headline probably would have read, or might have read, King of the Jews crucified. That probably would have been the headline, King of the Jews crucified. And like headlines today, a headline means different things to different people. So Pilate, who may have read that headline, he'd have, oh, I'm politi- politically, I'm safe for now. I've managed to main- you know, maintain order with these rabble-rousers, these Jews. To Caiaphas and the other temple priests, they're thinking, well, we've still, got, we've still got our authority, we've still got our power in the temple, in our religion. To the Roman soldiers, crucifixion was commonplace. Now, they've probably skipped over that one and gone straight to the sports section at the back. But what about Jesus' followers? What about Jesus' disciples? How would they have read that headline? What would they have done as they read that headline? How would they have reacted? Some of them were angry on Easter Saturday. Some were hurt. Some were confused. But every single one of them, I can guarantee you, would have been grief-stricken. And so this morning, we're going to consider the resurrection of Jesus, particularly from the angle of the women who met Jesus first. Now, if you're a man here, and you're thinking, oh, why are we thinking about this from the angle and the perspective of women? Well, I suggest you read the passage again. 
So we're going to think about it in this way, in three ways. We're going to think about how uh, it, it's the bad news. We'll start off with the bad news. And then we'll see how that becomes invest. I can't even say it. Investigative. Is that the way? Investigative news. And then we'll finally get to the good news. So bad news, investigative news, and then good news. So the bad news. Do you remember the story before the crucifixion? In the garden, Jesus was betrayed, and all those disciples ran away. They all deserted him, they left him. John and Peter followed from a distance and tried to blend in with the crowd as, as Jesus was taken to the temple court, taken to be tried, taken for, for beatings and horrendous stuff. And John is the only disciple we know of who is present at the cross as Jesus is crucified. The only disciple is John who stays for the crucifixion. But note this interesting fact. When all the, all the men had run away, the women were present. The women were still there. The women were there watching as Jesus was put on that cross. The women were watching as Jesus went through the streets of Jerusalem with the cross on his back. The women were watching as those nails went into Jesus' hands and his feet. And as he was dropped into place between those two renegade murderers, they were there at the foot of the cross the whole time, the women. And they were there until Jesus said, it is finished, and gave up his spirit and died. The women were there all the way through. If you don't believe me, look at Matthew 27, 55. Just before our reading, Matthew 27, verse 55 says, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. They were there. They were watching. They didn't need a newspaper. They didn't need a newspaper to tell them the bad news. They'd seen it with their own eyes. Jesus crucified. I don't know about you, but sometimes they get a little bit tired of bad news. You know, you switch on the news, 10 o'clock news, and it's bad news and more bad news and... But these women had seen the worst news of all. With their own eyes, they'd seen Jesus, their saviour, dying and killed on the cross. What did that mean? What did it mean for all their hopes and their dreams? Jesus, who taught them so many things through the three years they'd, they'd be with him, been with him. Were those hopes just dashed and, and, and lost in the tomb with Jesus as well? Saturday morning news was bad news. Back on the Friday afternoon, Jesus died around 3 p.m. We know that because it's recorded in the Gospels. And then sometime after that, a very important Jew named Joseph of Arimathea has permission from Pilate to put Jesus' body in the tomb. He's a wealthy man. His family own a tomb. And so Joseph and another important Jew, Jew named Nicodemus wrap Jesus' lifeless body in a, in a, in a cloth, in, in strips of cloth, coat and soaked in burial spices. More spices were stuffed into the folds of cloths until the body was encased in about a hundred pounds weight of cloth and spices. That's heavy. So even though it was a very thorough job that, that had been done, the women wanted to do a little bit more. 
But evening was coming, and so evening, with evening comes the Sabbath, and with the Sabbath that means they've got to be at home. And so they placed Jesus in the tomb with the understanding that the women would come back early on the Sunday morning to anoint the body with more spices. The news was bad. Jesus was dead. The hopes were dead. And all they had now was duty. All that was left was mourning. All they could do now was to help to try and assuage their own grief by anointing the body with more spices and give Jesus a decent burial. And so the women showed up to the tomb on Sunday morning, very early on Sunday morning, ready to get the guards to open the tomb so that they could coat the body in another layer of fragrant spices. And then the news changed. And it becomes another sort of news. Let's look at Matthew 28, verses 1 to 7 again. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the bad news changes to investigative news. Because when they got to the tomb, what did they find? The stone has rolled away. Now, it's easy for us because we know the end of the story. We, we, we know what happens. But imagine yourself in the shoes of these women on that Sunday morning. Imagine yourself in their shoes. They are emotionally numb. They're not really feeling anything. You know, it's the kind of numbness in the early hours when you're preparing for the funeral of a loved one. They have no other expectations of anointing the body with more spices. Anointing a, a mortifying corpse. And then to their numbness is added surprise and shock. The surprise and shock of arriving at an open tomb. And the text says, Matthew records and says that, that there's, somebody is there. Someone has arrived before them. There's an earthquake and an, an angel has rolled back the stone from the tomb. Now why did, he, why did the angel do that? It says, the, the, the text reads that, that the angel appeared from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. Why did the angel do that? Was it to let Jesus out? No. Because Jesus isn't, isn't bound by stone. Jesus isn't bound by rock. Jesus isn't bound by walls. Jesus, it wasn't, it wasn't moved to let Jesus out. It was moved to let the women see in. That's why it was moved. He did it so the women could enter the tomb and could look in the tomb. 
And you see, they, they come to the tomb out of duty. They come to the tomb, the tomb out of obedience. And they have no idea that Jesus is raised from the dead. And yet God opens the door and say that they see the truth. They see the truth that Jesus is who he says he is. The, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. And maybe you're here this morning with all sorts of questions about God. Maybe you've got all sorts of questions about Jesus. Maybe you half trust in Jesus. Maybe you half don't trust in Jesus. And is something stopping you giving your whole life to Jesus? Maybe you're walking around and you're feeling numb from the circumstances of life. What a winter we've been through. It's been dreadful, isn't it? It's been one of the longest winters I've ever, I can ever remember. One of the worst. It's cost of living crisis, Ukraine war, political crises left, right and centre. Maybe you're walking around numb from the things you've been through this long, hard winter. And you're confused. Well, I've got news for you. If you seek him, he will make himself known to you. That's what Jesus promises. Jesus promises those who seek him will find him. Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened to you. This is what the, this, this is what the women did. Follow their example. This is what the women do. If you're in the middle of mind-numbing circumstances in your life, follow what the, what, do what the women do and seek Jesus and God will open the door on your investigation. Now, what he won't do is lay out all the facts like a jigsaw puzzle. We've got a jigsaw puzzle in our living room. It's almost taking up the whole living room at the moment. What he won't do is lay out all those... He's going to... Because he, he's, gonna, he's given you his word. He's given you his word. He's given you the scriptures. That's where you need to look. And if you seek him in his word, he will roll the stone away and you will see who Jesus really is. And so the ladies got to the tomb and were shown where Jesus' body had been. They saw the empty shell of the grave clothes. They saw how they hadn't been removed and had been passed through. And they believed. They left home with bad news. Once they got to the tomb, it becomes investigative news. And there, there, and there that investigative news turns to good news. And this good news is prefaced by words that must have made their hearts leap for joy. Look at verse 5. Do not be afraid. These are words of comfort. Do not be afraid. They're, they're words of understanding. I know you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. They're, they're given words of assurance. Come and see the place where he lay. They're given words of command. Go. Go quickly and tell the disciples. And they're given words of encouragement. He is going ahead of you into Galilee and you will find him. You will see him there. The angel of the tomb told the women that Jesus wasn't there because he was risen from the dead. And then he gives them some instructions. He, told, he tells them to pass the good news to the disciples. Go and tell the disciples. And that's what they do. That's the thing about good news, isn't it? If you have good news, you can't help but share it. I've had that experience these last few days. On Wednesday, Naomi passed her driving test. Right. <laughs> and when she came home and told me the news on Wednesday morning, 
I couldn't help but celebrate and tell other people. That's just the gut reaction, isn't it? You get the pattern. I couldn't help it. I rang my mum and dad straight. Mum, mum, she's she's passed a driving test. I even told Mark Underwood. Where's Mark? He's on the sand. What happened was, Mark, Mark, literally, the point that Naomi turned back up at home, Mark was on the phone to me. So there was Naomi at my front door, and Mark was on the phone to me, and I knew that. So I said, Mark, can I ring you back in a minute? So I opened the door to Naomi. I didn't know the news at this point because I didn't know what had happened. So she said, Dad, look at this. Pass certificate. Wow, you passed it. Yay, excellent. And celebration. So then I thought, well, I better ring Mark back because I've just, you know, put the phone down on him, basically. So I ring Mark. Mark, Naomi's run the. She's passed a driving test. Excellent. So you can't help it, can you? If you have a good news to tell, you've got to tell someone. You can't keep it to yourself. So I got on the phone. I start telling a friend, friends and family. And good news. You've got to tell others about it. Don't keep it to yourself. But that's nothing. Forgive me, Naomi. That's nothing compared to the good news that these women have got to tell. Jesus is alive. The grave couldn't hold him. Jesus has conquered death. He's conquered hell. He's conquered sin. He's conquered the grave. So why aren't we as excited as they are to tell other people? Well, you might say back to me, Peter, people might make fun of me. They might think I'm a religious nut. Don't you think they ridiculed these women? Of course they did. Of course they were. And that's why the account, this account of the resurrection is so fascinating and revealing and surprising in so many ways. Because in those days, women stood for nothing. If you're a woman in those days, you literally were goods and chattel, that was it. You weren't allowed to give evidence in a, in a, in a court of law. You were ignored. And yet God orchestrates the most the supreme irony of all history because two women are the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Who would say that God hasn't got a sense of humour? What can be more surprising than those who are the normally ignored and normally discounted telling the biggest news of all since the creation of the world? Jesus is alive. Do you think it was easy for these women to stand as witnesses for Jesus? No. It was not easy, but they did it anyway. Didn't do it out of obligation. No, it's not out of duty. They share this good news because it's exciting. They're excited about it. They're unbelievably excited that Jesus is alive. Couldn't keep it to themselves. And so they share it. So they tell the good news. Verse 8 says, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with great joy. Talk about mixed emotions. Afraid and yet filled with great joy. They are afraid, and at the same time there's an unspeakable joy going on in them. So which one won? Which emotion won? Did they cave into their fear and run away? Well, they ran all right. But instead of running away, they ran too. They ran to tell the good news. They ran along to tell the disciples, and along the way they meet Jesus. Just think about that journey. First they go to the tomb, to where Jesus 
they thought was, the tomb where he'd been laid. But he's not there. Instead, they meet an angel who tells them what has happened. And so off they went, and they obey and as what they've been told to do. And then they meet Jesus. They meet him. And when they met him, they fell at his feet, and they worship him. And when they fell at his feet and worshipped him, in verse 10, Jesus again speaks words of comfort and assurance. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And he also gives them some instruction. He says, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my disciples. There they will see me in Galilee. That is their journey. That was their journey. They, go to, they went to find him. They obeyed him. They met him. They worshipped him. And they're sent out by him. That's their journey. I wonder where you are on that path this morning. Where are you on that journey this morning, I wonder? Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're hurt by the circumstances of life that is going on and you're practically numb. Maybe you're struggling with the notion that God will speak into your life and your heart and he will give you words of comfort. He will give you words of instruction. He will give you words of assurance. If that's you, go to where Jesus is. Go to his word. And as you read his word and as you trust in him, you will find words of Jesus speaking words of comfort and instruction and assurance and encouragement to you because that's what he's promised to do. He will speak to you. In a moment, I'm going to lead us in a, in a time of prayer as we respond. And I'm going to pray that if you're afraid and, it, and yet seeking Jesus, that you will want to go where Jesus is. Because when you, go, when you go where Jesus is, he will reveal himself to you. He will show you that he died for you and that he lives for you today. He lives he is at the right hand of the Father. He reigns over heaven and earth. He'll show you that he is for you. And he wants you to be in relationship with him. A God who will love you and never abandon or forsake. Matthew 7, Jesus says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find, and to those who, dock the, who, who knock, the door will be opened. Now, if you're here this morning and you have already received Jesus, if, if you know Jesus, if you're in that category, I've got a question for you. Are you obeying him? Are you obeying Jesus? Are you obeying him by actively serving him with the gifts that God has given you to build up the body of Christ in this place? Are you obeying him by sharing your life with, your life with others who don't yet know him and, and, and showing them by your words, your deeds, how you are, your attitudes, that Jesus is alive and that he is at the right hand of the Father? And if you're not, today is the day to turn around and change that. When the disciples encountered the living Christ, they fell down and worshipped him, gave, them li gave their lives to him. Give your life to Jesus today. Overcome fear. 
give, to the, give in to the person of joy and run. Run to Jesus with all your might. Let's pray. Let's just be quiet a moment. We're in the presence of the risen Lord. risen and ascended Lord we can't hide from you you see us you know us you know where we are with you you know if we're afraid you know if we're full of joy you know if we're full of questions and doubts you know if we're full of certainty Lord, I pray that you would meet us where we are and that you would speak into our hearts and minds and wills of what you want to say to us, to lead us, to draw us on further in that journey of discipleship with you. So that we don't just say, I'm a Christian but we live that out in our lives. And Lord, for those who are caught up in a mixture of fear and joy, Lord, I pray that you release each one, each person, to run to you and to be received by you, by your embrace, your hug of love and total acceptance changed by you to be children of the living God in his name we pray going to ask Debbie now to lead us in some prayers. So let's continue to pray. Um, for our intercessions this morning, I'd like us to use um, the response that's going to be on the screen. So at the end of each section of prayers, I will say, in the place of pain and loss, and I'd like you to respond with the words, we dare to affirm the hope of Easter. So should we just try that now? So in the place of pain and loss, we dare to affirm the hope of Easter. So, let's pray. We think of the tomb and of all that speaks of death and destruction in our world 
we pray for nations in conflict, for the hunger and disruption that comes with war. We pray for the environmental catastrophe of global warming and our part in it. In the place of pain and loss, we dare to affirm the hope of Easter. We think of the disciples' confusion and pointless rushing about. We pray for all who are over busy, burnt out, exhausted, desperately trying to make ends meet. And we pray for the underemployed and those forced into inactivity by disability and illness. In the place of pain and loss, we dare to affirm the hope of Easter. We think of Mary not recognising Jesus, then hearing him call her name. We pray for the lonely, unloved and abandoned. We pray for those who are struggling with mental illness. We pray for the homeless, the vulnerable and afraid, and for all who go unnoticed. Lord, may they hear you call their name. In the place of pain and loss, we dare to affirm the hope. We think of Jesus sending Mary to the disciples with the good news of resurrection life. And we pray for all those who long for good news today. We pray for the sick, those who are suffering, and all those who are grieving. And we remember those known to us now in a moment of quiet. In the place of pain and loss, we dare to affirm the hope of Easter. In the name of the risen Lord, we pray. Amen. And would you all please stand if you're able to. The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. So the peace of the risen Lord be always with you. And also, and also with you. 
So let's, let's share a sign of God's peace with one another now.
strong king forever. You made us and the whole universe and filled your world with life. You sent your son to live among us. Jesus, Savior Mary, she loves. He suffered on the cross. He died to save us from our sin. He rose in glory from the dead. You send your spirit to bring you life to the world and fill us with power from on high. And so we join with the angels to celebrate and say, Holy, 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 Holy Lord, God, our
Thine be the glory. 
the hope that he brings, then please do seek me out after service with Billy or somebody that you know and trust, and we will gladly pray with you and the group. Also a reminder for the children, uh, Rachel has organised uh, an Easter egg hunt, um, I don't think they've gone yet, um, so do, do that after the service is finished, and uh, parents, carers, Tom, I would say go with them. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord in the name of